Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henney. On today's podcast, we will be discussing alimony in a divorce case, also known as spousal support. So, at the topic of alimony, was that was that honk in there? <laughs> Why did it honk? Why did she honk? What two, did? Two families. <laughs> oh, hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> woo, woo. It's like it's like GMA. I think she got in and honked her horn when, like, with her elbow, <laughs> was not for us. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So alimony is a very interesting topic, sometimes dry, but we are going to make it very exciting. We Va- promise. <laughs> so what's new with you? I just feel like the summer is flying by. Um, my my son is in all sorts of camps, and it's it's like each week is different. Like, where is he going to be when? Where do I have to be to pick him up? Are we carpooling this week with people? Who am I picking up? It's insane. So I have this cal- this calendar and it is, you know, all these colors, where he's going to be, what lessons he has, what's going on. And I, um, I need a vacation from it. You're good at color coding things though. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and you, you're really good at different colored pens. I always appreciate that. <clears throat> um, I, I like to trick myself into having fun doing adulting so with different colored pens does that for me awesome well amazon prime day was uh recent and i bought some colored pens what colors all colors you know the um the bullet journaling yes i had this grand idea to do bullet journaling about two years ago and so i bought all these really cool pens that don't bleed and they write really well i never did the bullet journaling but i got the pens and i like the pens any journal that requires you to like take a class to learn how to do it, I'm not into that. Or calligraphy. Yeah. There's a lot on Pinterest about bullet journaling. If anyone's interested, don't talk to us about it because we clearly didn't get into it. Do you keep a journal? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. And, and actually, I was going to talk about a lot of semi-journaling I've had to do recently. Um, semi-journaling? Semi-journaling. Yeah. Well... Like writing only on half the page? Yeah. Or like very shorthand. Mm. I, you know, I have a recent, di- recent diagnosis of a autoimmune disorder called scleroderma. And in the next couple of weeks, I'll be going to Denver for some week-long testing. And so I've just been really writing down all of the things that I want to talk to the medical professionals about. And um, I have been using my bullet journaling pens and some color coding. So there's a lot a lot of information. And yes, I am using journaling skills, but no pictures, no cutesy pictures. Oh. And then are you going to take your journal to the appointment so that yes. you know what to remind yourself yes. what you need to tell them? Okay. Yes. You know, bullet journaling had a lot to do with rulers, using a ruler so that you could like put a grid in... <laughs> I went to a continuing legal ed class with a bunch of lawyers and one of the lawyers took her notes using a ruler and I was I just I I'm not that neat or organized. 
What was it? Not lined paper. She was not using lined paper to take she her was notes. Creating her own lines with her ruler, a pencil or a pen. I think she had a pen. She didn't draw a line. She used oh. the ruler. It was clear. Wow. She could clearly. She had a system that she used where she would move the ruler down the paper as she went. So she didn't like lines, but she wanted it straight. Yeah. This it, is fascinating. Yeah. Hmm. You know her. I'll tell you her name. Okay, but not the listeners. No, I, I think this might be something that is private <laughs> or I shouldn't share well, until I've got, got a, a permission from this lawyer. I'm impressed by this person's system. Yeah. <laughs> Very neat. Um, so talking about alimony, which is not so clear and neat and lined. No right? straight lines in alimony. No. There's a lot of, you know, those memes that are like, how women and men make decisions. And the men's decision is like, straight line. And the woman is like, and then. That's actually how I describe you. Oh, perfect. I said, this is how Tracy talks about an idea and it's like a swirly line all over the place and then an ending spot you always get to the ending spot but you're more swirly do you think that you are more the straight line um i'm i'm probably not exactly a perfectly straight line but i am nowhere near as swirly as you are swirly um but often the end decision that we have to make together sometimes is the same. <laughs> so that's right, good. we just get there different ways. Yes, yeah. That's that's the exact example I use when when I'm talking about it is when we, you and I have to make a decision. So, so alimony is the swirly line when the decision is made in a case that alimony is getting granted, whether it's by the judge or by the spouses. It is often not a straight line. Sometimes it can be. So alimony you know, is used, the word is used interchangeably with spousal support or spousal maintenance or a maintenance payment. Um, I think in Nebraska, it started out as alimony. And now the trend is more towards the term spousal support, but they mean the exact same thing. I actually think it's more alimony now. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Who knows? But it's interchangeable. They mean the same thing. Well, and then there's the term palimony. That I haven't heard of. You've never heard of palimony? Well, look it. I'm going to look it up right now. Susan has her 25-year-old Black's Law Dictionary she's looking at it right now. It is not 25 years old. Oh, well, <laughs> you are having your 20-year anniversary this year. I am. So then it's 23 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it takes three years to get through law school. From a palimony, school. a court-ordered allowance paid by one member to the other of a couple that, though unmarried, formally cohabitated. So there's a it's like a cohabitation payment for unmarried people. That doesn't exist today. Or it do, at least doesn't exist in our very red state of Nebraska because, yeah. you know, you have to be married to have those things. In Nebraska. Maybe in other states. What about pedimony? Pet. Pet. Alimony for the maintenance of a pet? Or yes. <laughs> is that a thing? Which that should be a thing. And sometimes that does get worked in, how people are going to continue the maintenance of a pet. I don't really like that the phrase alimony and spousal support is also interchangeable with maintenance because I think of maintenance like on my HVAC system. 
or my dishwasher. Well, maybe as we talk through what alimony actually is for, it might make more sense why they call it maintenance. Maybe, I mean, maybe I'll understand it. <laughs> I think you do understand it, but understand why it's called maintenance. So, you know, we printed out the statute for today. We're not going to read this word for word, but the phrases of what goes into an alimony consideration, just listen to these. These are very circular and not granular and very confusing. Subject to interpretation. So to consider alimony, you look at a history of the contributions to the marriage by each party including contributions to the care and education of the children, interruption of personal careers or educational opportunities, and here's the big one, and the ability of the supported party to engage in gainful employment without interfering with the interests of any minor children in the custody of such party. What? Look that up in the Black's Law Dictionary. What does that mean? Yeah. So what we as lawyers have to do is figure out – if our client is asking for alimony, how we can make their situation fit all of these, this this legal statute, so that the judge will say, oh, clearly this person is entitled to and deserves alimony. Right. And so I like to think about when our clients come to us, you know, we typically before the consultation have them fill out some homework, paperwork. And in that, we specifically ask if they're going to be the filing party, are they likely to request alimony? And sometimes when they're filling out that paperwork, they have no idea whether they might be entitled to it or not. So it's always really interesting when a potential client before their consult says, yep, I would like alimony. And then when we have the consultation with them, we ask all these questions of, you know, tell us about your marriage, tell us about um, who took care of the kids. Did anyone put their career on hold to be a stay-at-home parent? And then we get into, I just had a consultation, and this uh, potential client really thought that they were entitled to alimony. And so we went through the questions, and I said, well, how much does your spouse make and how much do you make? And she answered that her spouse made about $125,000 per year and that she made about $75,000. And I wanted to sort of laugh at this person, but I ended up telling this potential client, you're not getting alimony. And it's, it's not only just because there was not a huge disparity of income, but also because she has income. So it's not the lesson here, right? Alimony is not just because someone earns more money than another person. Absolutely. It is not just an income equalizer. And I think that's the huge misnomer that a lot of people think is, well, my spouse makes more money than I do. And so... We need to equalize our incomes, and we should, at the end of the day, make the same amount of money. The big but here, the big but, there's always I a like but. big butts, and I cannot <laughs> lie. <laughs> the big but is, but if someone makes less money and they put their career on hold to stay at home with kids, or they with uh, maybe they didn't accept advancements in their jobs because it was going to change their schedule and they wouldn't be able to take care of kids, um, then maybe that person is entitled to alimony because the in- partially because the incomes are different, but then because they have foregone career advancements. 
Correct. Yeah, we have to look at the entire picture of what the income looks like and then what the other circumstances are during the duration of the marriage. So when we talk about alimony in the sense of how are we going to present this to the judge, if there are children involved, we'll usually look at a child support calculator first and we'll say, how much is child support going to be uh, paid from one spouse to the other? And is the receiving party of that child support then in need of other income? So to determine that, we'll have both parties fill out their monthly expense worksheet. So we know, is there a deficit in their monthly expenses? Do you think um, alimony would be awarded if all the other factors were met? Let's say, you know, one party earns less, it's a longer term marriage, they've stayed at home with kids, so they're kind of newer in their in their career. Um, but they don't they don't have a monthly deficit like you know, if if they're able to meet their own budget every month with, you know, the child support, their their income, you know, they're living a reasonable lifestyle. You know, I, I have not had that come up in a case. I mean, I feel like a lot of people live beyond their means, no matter what their incomes are. So I wonder in that case, if a judge would order alimony. Well, Susan, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other big thing. The big butt. The big butt. But it depends. Well, and it, it it really depends, unfortunately, on other moving factors that are outside of the statutory language. Like, who is our judge? And every judge, while they have to stay within the bounds of what the statute says and they have to follow the law, because the statute is so discretionary, it gives the judge so much leeway to make a decision based on all those facts and circumstances. And some judges may say, yeah, I don't really care what whether there's discretionary income at the end of the day, that maybe this person also helped support the other spouse get to such a higher income. And so there's right. kind of like a payback then. Right. Um, I, I often have people come in who've been married, you know, a really short amount of time. Um, and maybe they do fit a couple of the pieces of the criteria of alimony. But, you know, they've put their career on hold for a year and then they're asking for alimony. And in those circumstances or those situations, I definitely, I I say, you know, maybe a short term temporary couple. Yeah, maybe not type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can, I, I don't feel as silly asking for it on a temporary basis as I would if, you know, this was the final decree, but you're not going to get it long term. You're not getting alimony for 60 months. No. Maybe for six months. So the that's the other point of alimony is there's two pieces to alimony, and that is how much per month you're going to receive or pay and for how many months. And then there are triggering events for it to end. So you may get alimony, let's say, at $1,000 a month. Then it's either up to a settlement discussion or a judge to decide for how many months. Sometimes alimony can be staggered downwards, too. So you may get $1,000 a month for 12 months and then $500 a month for 12 months after that. Or you may get alimony for $1,000 a month for 72 months. You know, there's a lot of different things that a judge can decide. So sometimes a judge may say, all right, 
spouse A, I will give you alimony at the amount you want, but not the number of months you want. So they are feeling like they're giving maybe both spouses a win. Another thing that I think comes up when we talk about alimony in settlement a lot is the total amount. You know, um, someone might be willing to pay more alimony in a shorter time frame or less alimony in a longer time frame, and the total ends up being the same in those situations. So oftentimes I say to someone when we're talking about settlement, I calculate the whole amount of alimony. Like if you got it at one time, what would it be? And then are they comfortable with that number? And then how many, how do we spread that out? So it makes sense to them. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. So the other thing to know too, because some states have used to have and may still have alimony as a tax, a taxable event. So starting in 2019, Nebraska no longer allows alimony to be a taxable event, which took away a lot of different positioning we could have for our clients, both whether you're paying or receiving. So alimony used to be a tax deductible event for the person paying and then a taxable income event for the person receiving. But now it's not. It's just a money transfer pursuant to a divorce. So we used to have our paying alimony clients say, oh, oh, okay, I need some more deductions. Sure, I'll pay more in alimony or maybe uh, more upfront if they needed some tax planning advantages. And we don't have that anymore. Right. The most clear cut case for alimony is a longer term marriage, like I'd say 10 plus years with children where one, one parent stayed home or worked part time even though they were fully capable of working full-time and earning, you know, uh, a good salary at that job, but they chose to stay home or work part-time to meet the needs of the children. And then they were potentially saving money on daycare. You know, there's that, that idea that, you know, for some families, they don't want their kids in daycare. So there's the idea of keeping your kids out of daycare and at home is a better environment for them. So there's some cost benefit analysis there. And then this person at the time of divorce really has been out of the workforce for a significant period of time, can't jump in where they would have been able to jump in when the marriage started. So that case and, oh, and the other person has the ability to pay them. Right. All of those things. It's like a stars have to align scenario, you know. But when we talk about alimony, when we were really thinking about this topic, it really falls into two different scenarios, the sort of younger people and then the older people. So the younger people is that scenario you just described, a stay at home parent who put their career on hold. We may be looking at a scenario in the divorce where the kids are four and five, and they're just about to go to kindergarten. And so maybe alimony is just a period of time for that parent to get the kids in school full time, start a career. Um, Also, again, depending on the length of the marriage. So that alimony duration may be 36 months because that's about the time for them to maybe go to law school. (laughs) But no, not, not everyone's going to law school after a divorce. But then you have on the flip <laughs> Probably people are like, oh, man, I, w- I don't ever want to have anything to do with lawyers again. Yes. 
On the flip side, you know, you have that other scenario, very opposite of what you just described is a very, very long-term marriage. And this is maybe what we get into when we talk about the gray divorce. And you may have a 30-plus year marriage. Um, The kids are all grown. They're older. They're out of the house. They've probably also already completely finished college. But you have different implications like when is Social Security going to start paying? What about Medicare? What about health insurance? And you may just have a couple where one spouse either retired early because the other spouse made so much money. And so there we're looking at truly monthly expenses and then also supporting a lifestyle that they've been enjoying. And in I, I just finished a case with that exact scenario. Um, my client was had been a stay-at-home mom until the kids were like high school. Then she did go back into the workforce, um, but she was earning quite a bit less than her husband who'd been in the workforce the entire marriage. And the judge ordered alimony until she reached um, 65. Um, and it wasn't a huge amount because she did have some earning. You know, she was earning a, a good salary, nowhere near what he was earning. But so the judge said, OK, I'm going to take your age to 65 and you're going to get a monthly payment until 65. And then I'm going to assume you can draw on Social Security at that time. And that would take the place of it. And actually, when when she hits 65, she's going to earn more than that alimony payment. Right. So whether and she keeps whether she chooses Social Security at that time or not. And as a disclaimer, because we are not financial planners and professionals, um, <laughs> some people are entitled to receive a portion of their ex-spouse's Social Security. And that is something that, you know, are we send our clients to financial planners to talk about how that scenario looks when they Uh, when their spouse is going to receive Social Security and when they are going to receive Social Security. So that is part of an argument that we can make to the judge like you just described. Yeah. But, you know, in that scenario, and I'm not familiar with that client that you're talking about, but, you know, let's say that she was on her spouse's health insurance through her spouse's employer. Yep, that's the exact situation. And so then the same thing, you know, maybe she's entitled to Medicare um, at the age of 65, and if she were to have to go on a private health insurance plan right now, that could be $1,000 a month. And so we'll go into court and make the argument that judge at minimum – our client should receive enough to cover that health insurance premium until 65 Medicare kicks in or some other expenses that maybe she had been counting on her spouse to pay. Right. Something I get asked a lot in consultations or, you know, just being a divorce lawyer is people say, well, are you, is a person entitled to alimony because someone had an affair? Yes. Or, they cheated on me. Or they ran out on me and abandoned me, you know, like for, for bad acts. Is it a punishment? And the technical answer is no. Um, no, because the statute doesn't allow for that. The I don't. non-technical answer is it depends. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because while we can't go into court and say, judge, they cheated on our client, pay alimony, but we can break it down into you know, some information that maybe we can a little bit pull at the heartstrings too of the judge. 
Yeah. I, I think you still need to show um, the things that we've already talked about by someone, you know, foregoing career opportunities and, and things like that. Another question I get asked is, can I get alimony even though I don't have kids? Yes. And I, I think here's the answer. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a hard and fast no, just because you don't have kids that you can't get alimony. Um but then we would have to really get into the, you know, what were you doing? Why, why you weren't working? Maybe the other person, the other spouse has such a demanding job that this person has to support them. And they're almost like a, an assistant to their spouse with their work things, depending on what they do. Yes. If my spouse divorced me, we don't have children, I would get alimony. Um, I well, think- you would because you're a divorce lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, well... We've talked about my Starbucks habit, right? <laughs> How does this play in? I need to continue to be able to enjoy my Starbucks. Um, no, in all seriousness, though, you know, alimony is is a pretty serious topic, and we take it really seriously when our clients, you know, I told this one client that I described where she's making a pretty good income as well. I said, my job is to be very clear with you. I don't think you're getting alimony, and I don't think that it's fair for you to leave this consultation with any hopes that you might be getting alimony. And I told her that if she decides to file for divorce, that we would plead alimony, meaning we would request it. But at the end of the day, she has to be prepared that she may not get it. Yeah. And th- and that's the advice we have to give a lot of clients. Like we can ask for it, but we don't know if you're going to get it. I use the line that I learned from you is, you know, in, in the complaint, it's like your Christmas list. You have to put everything on the list, but you know you're not going to get everything you ask for. But unless you put it on the list, Santa is not going to just know what you want. Well, here, here's the very specific way I say it to clients. I say, it's like your Christmas list to Santa. You ask for the Barbie dream house, yes. knowing that you would probably be happy if you got the Barbie Corvette or the Barbie, uh, what was that mobile home thing? That's- I had the mobile home. Yeah. I think I still have it. My mom kept it. Can you bring that to the office? I'll bring it to the office. with that. That'd be fun. Um, Did you have the Barbie dream house? No, I did not. What cool Barbie things did you have? I had the Barbie hot tub. Ooh. And the Barbie Corvette, which was yellow. Oh, I had a red one. Yellow. I still have that. Should I bring that too? I can't believe you have. I I have no idea what I have. I actually have a ton of boxes that I have not opened. I have a pink Porsche too. This is really nostalgic. I had a moped, the pink Barbie moped. My mom kept all of my Barbie things. And at one point, weirdly, she says, Tracy, you need to dress all the dolls before they go into the box so that whoever opens them, they're just ready to play with. And at some point we did. And then at some point, some other kid played with them and, you know, got all messed up. So, but I will bring the mobile home in. I never had the dream home. I never wanted the dream dream house. Dream house. Dream yeah. house. I never wanted it because my dad had built these shelves in our basement that were way bigger. Like Barbie dream house, her head hit the ceiling in oh. all the floors. It just wasn't big enough for her. Hmm. So. So ask for alimony. It's a takeaway, <laughs> right? Ask for alimony, but be prepared not to receive it. Yes. And <laughs> somehow that plays into the Barbie dream house. I'm trying to connect it. Um, you know. Oh, it's the Christmas list. Yes. The if Christmas you want list. the Barbie dream house, you have to ask for it. So to to kind of finish at when are there are things that can cause alimony to stop. 
you know, like let's say we do get alimony ordered for our client for 25 years, but generally um, there's a there's a provision that says that if our client were to remarry someone else um, or even cohabitate with someone, that that would put a stop to the alimony, even if the time frame had not stopped. I recently had a case where um, my client was the alimony payer and he came in and wanted to modify alimony because his ex-wife got remarried and I think the alimony was going to go for a long period of time and they had just recently gotten divorced. And so I I said, okay, well, that's, that's a clear cut. We modify it. Alimony should end. We did that. Within like a month after the alimony ending, she divorced the second <gasps> husband. And I thought, wow, um, you know, she really, really lost out on that one. But we modified. Our client didn't have to pay anymore. Uh, I wonder if she could come back in and remodify it again. No. Once it goes to zero, you can never modify again. Okay. So modification of alimony, you know, is uh, it's also very difficult. So let's say um, we get divorced. I'm paying spousal support, um, you know, $2,000 a month for 60 months. And in month 10, you win the lottery and you win $10 million. I actually can come in and ask for a modification that you no longer need my $2,000 a month. I just settled a case of modification of alimony. Oh, I thought you were going to say you just won the lottery. Oh, <laughs> I wish. Uh, I, I've won. I've broke even on scratch offs. That's the best I've ever done on, on the lottery. Like net in life? Like you've kept a track? No. Oh. When I when I do. A, so if I win, I always just, you know, if I win like 10, 15 bucks, I always just buy more scratch offs. Until you come even. Until I get to zero. <laughs> That's the way I do it. But I just finished a case that was a modification of alimony. We had done the original divorce. Our client was receiving alimony. It was exactly that situation we talked about before with the stay-at-home parent. She was just getting back into the working field. So she was getting alimony. And uh, her ex-husband had a good career, a good job. Well, his the business he worked for restructured, and they laid off a ton of people. So he came in and asked for a modification of alimony based on his income was no longer what it was and also a modification of child support because his income was different. So we were able to settle that and work it out. That Good. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what a judge would have done. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for today is the answer about alimony. If you ask us a question, the answer is going to be... It depends. It depends, right? And it it really, truly takes into consideration all of the facts and circumstances of what happened during the marriage. What what have your career plans been or should have been or will be? So it's case specific. And I think the other thing, too, that we talk about a lot on our podcast is don't compare your situation with anyone else. Right. Plumber Joe. There's so many things that go into... (laughs) into each case that no, I mean, literally no two cases are ever the same. Yes. So talk with a lawyer about your situation. If you are contemplating divorce and if you are curious whether you may receive or have to pay alimony, that is the only way you're going to get an answer. Google will not tell you. (laughs) Well, they'll tell you some things, but they'll probably tell you you're dying at the same time. If you're looking for alimony, 
you're going to get an answer that you're dying. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, like WebMD. Yeah. It, Somehow well, you're going to end up on WebMD if you're looking at alimony. Well, WebMD, ultimately, I think the, the lawyers have told them that they have to say, you will die. You could die. There's a risk of death right. from your finger that you cut. Yeah. So. So alimony, yeah, it's not it's not guaranteed in any situation. Um, talk to an attorney. Make sure you get good advice. And I, I always say, too, Talk about it early in the case, too. That's why we ask about it. But if you think that it might come up in your case, make sure you're talking about it early on. Yeah, so you can get it on your Christmas list, (laughs) along with your Barbie dream house. Thanks for listening to our podcast this week about alimony. It's been really fun talking about it. Yeah, see, we had fun with it. I know. I thought it was going to be boring, but... I don't think it was boring. No, it was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast and be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Rep Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.